This installment of Beethoven on Friday was recorded for release on June 18th, 2021. Greetings. This is Terry Noel Tao, and I've got some catching up to do on Beethoven on Friday. So, Today, loose ends and drop stitches. Let's begin with a recording of Beethoven's Pathetique Sonata that I wanted to play some time ago. Could not find the compact disc. The reason for that was very simple. I'd lent it to someone and I had forgotten that. Back it comes in the mail. Oh, good. Now we finally can play it on Beethoven on Friday. This is a recording that was made in 1926. The pianist, the marvelous William Murdoch, a great pianist, now totally forgotten, which is a tragedy of major proportions. So, here is William Murdoch in Ludwig van Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number no. 8 in C minor, Opus 13, the Pathétique Sonata.
that truly is one of the great performances of Ludwig van Beethoven's Piano Sonata Number no. 8 in C minor, Opus 13, the Pathetique Sonata. It was recorded in London in 1926. The pianist, the great Australian-born, London-based pianist, William Murdoch. Just wonderful. This next recording is yet another one that I was not able to play for you before for a simple reason. Couldn't find the compact disc. Privately made transfer by my great friend Alan Lisitsky. Once again, it was something I had lent to someone. And when it came back to me, I said, Oh, good. Now I can play this on Beethoven on Friday. This is a recording that was made in recital at Boston University in Boston, Massachusetts on May 26th, 1952, almost exactly one year before this unsurpassable violinist died while dressing for dinner. Yes, he was a patrician. He was every inch a gentleman, and he didn't have to work for a living. His grandfather and namesake was one of the brothers who founded the Spalding Brothers Sporting Goods Company. And the elder Albert Spalding is also in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. The grandson, Albert Spalding, who was born in 1888, obviously had a diamond-encrusted silver spoon in his mouth. But from childhood, he showed immense musical talent, and his parents fostered it. And they spent their winters in Florence, in Italy. He was taught by the great Kiji, and... When he was about 16, his parents took him up to Berlin because they wanted him to be taught by Josef Joachim. Young Albert began his audition, got to the end of the first composition. Joachim said, please play more. Spalding did. More, Spalding did, and so it went for several hours. And finally, Josef Joachim turned to Albert's parents and said, I will not take your son as a student. Albert was crestfallen. His parents were stunned. I mean, after all, he had played repeatedly 
for the great Joachim. Joachim said, I won't take him as a pupil because there's nothing I can teach him. He is fully formed. When you feel he is mature enough for him to go out into the world as a recitalist, as a virtuoso, send him out into the world because he is ready. He is fully formed. Albert Spaulding enjoyed a long and distinguished career. He really didn't make as many recordings as he should have, but as far as I am concerned, he is the greatest United Statesian violinist. I once had a discussion with Jack Pfeiffer, my dear friend and client, and one of the greatest record producers of all time, about this. He said the greatest American violinist was Yasha Heifetz, and I said no. The greatest native-born violinist in the United States of America was Albert Spaulding. Jack did not disagree with me. As I said, Spaulding ultimately retired, left the concert stage, got off that bandwagon, but he taught at Boston University and gave occasional recitals. As I said, this performance was recorded in recital at Boston University on May 26, 1952. The pianist is Jules Walfers. If there is a more exciting, more intense performance of Ludwig van Beethoven's Violin Sonata Number no. 9 in A major, Opus 47, the so-called Kreutzer Sonata, I have yet to hear it.
Recorded in recital at Boston University in Boston, Massachusetts on May 26th, 1952. Albert Spaulding, violin. Jules Wolfers, piano. Ludwig van Beethoven, the Sonata Number no. 9 in A Major for violin and piano. Opus 47, the Kreutzer Sonata. If there is a performance of that sonata that is more passionate, more intense than that one, I have yet to hear it. Next, I want to share with you a wonderful recording of Ludwig van Beethoven's Piano Concerto number 4 in G major, opus 58, that I simply couldn't put anywhere else before. So, loose ends, drop stitches, that's where you get to hear it. This performance was recorded Mm -hmm. in Kingsway Hall in London, England, on June 7th, 1947. The London Philharmonic Orchestra was conducted by the great pianist Carlo Zecchi, who had been a pupil of Ferruccio Busoni. The pianist, the marvelous Clara Haskell.
recorded in Kingsway Hall in London, England, on June 7, 1947. Clara Haskell, the marvelous Romanian-born pianist, Carlo Zecchi, who had been a Buzzoni pupil, conducting the London Philharmonic Orchestra, Ludwig van Beethoven, the Piano Concerto Number no. 4 in G Major, Opus 58. This next loose end is a performance of the Violin Concerto in D Major, Opus 61. I think all of my listeners know how fond I am of the piece. I just never had an opportunity to use this recording elsewhere in the series Beethoven on Friday. Once again, the violinist, one of my all-time favorite violinists, Albert Spaulding. This recording was made about 1950. It was made in Vienna, Austria. Wilhelm Leupner conducted the Austrian Symphony Orchestra. Whoever those players really were, God only knows at this point. And of course, Albert Spaulding is the soloist. The Violin Concerto in D Major, Opus 61, by Ludwig van Beethoven.
before I played that splendid performance of the Beethoven Violin Concerto, that Albert Spaulding was a gifted composer. His cadenzas were his own. There also, by the way, is a wonderful story about Spaulding and the Beethoven Concerto. He volunteered for service in World War II, and he happened to be in Naples when the Allies took control of Naples and Vesuvius had the lack of courtesy to erupt. And there were individuals in, if you will, a shelter all terrified. Spaulding saw someone who had a violin case. He asked for the loan of the violin and began to play the solo part of the Beethoven Violin Concerto. What he played and how he played it calmed everyone down. In that performance, which was recorded in Vienna, Austria, around 1950, Albert Spaulding was accompanied by the Austrian Symphony Orchestra, whoever they were, and the conductor was Wilhelm Leubner, L-O-I-B-N-E-R, never heard of him other than 
in the context of this recording. It could have been a pseudonym. I don't know. I don't care. I just love that performance, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity in this loose ends and drop stitches installment of Beethoven on Friday to share it with you. For this next pair of recordings, there is a backstory, as the saying goes. I've tried twice before to include these recordings on installments of Beethoven on Friday. The first time, well, it wasn't really a Beethoven on Friday. There just wasn't room for these on the program that Lin Yen asked me to do to celebrate the birthday of Pablo Casals, who was, as many of you know, <clears throat> a mentor and a friend. Lynn also asked me to present all of the music for Cello by Beethoven, which I decided to do in recordings by Pablo Casals. However, knowing that Lynn is, as I am, a great fan of Rudolf Serkin, I used the recording that Don Pablo made with Rudolf Serkin in Prod. So, twice I've tried, I'm now going to do it. As I said, there is a backstory. One of Casals's first regular musical partners was the Swiss-born pianist Alfred Cotto. The two of them joined with Jacques Thibault to form the legendary Cotto Thibault Casals trio. Casals and Cotto had a parting of the ways because of World War II. Don Pablo was fervently anti-fascist and fervently anti-Nazi. Alfred Cotto, well, on a personal basis, he is solid. There's no way to avoid the fact that he was a collaborator. He managed to dig himself out of that pit, but there remain a number of unanswered questions. One of them being, how many of the pieces of rare music that he had in his collection had been, if you will, appropriated from Jewish collectors. That even affects me. I happen to have a first edition of the Sonatas of Domenico Paradis, Paradiesi, which came from his library. 
is what I have quote-unquote tainted. The separation of Cotto and Casals went on for a number of years. According to the story that I heard, Corto made a trip to Prague. He met with Casals. He fessed up, if you will. He asked for forgiveness. Casals granted it. And then Corto said, I'd like to play with you in public one more time. Now you have to understand that by this time, Corto had serious vision problems and was, in essence, blind. No matter. Casals agreed. So, they agreed to play together at the Prad Festival on July 10th, 1958. The two old colleagues did one half of a program. I have the program. I have the program book, but alas, it's not accessible, so I must rely on my little gray cells. My recollection is that the other half was Bach Motet, sung by a small choir from London. From the person who told me the story, who was present, the rehearsals were disaster, and Casals was begged to find an excuse to cancel it. Casals said, no, I promised him we're going to do it no matter what. They did it. Their half of the program opened with the variations on by Menon from Mozart's Die Zauberflöte, the seven variations on by Menon, Welche Liebe fühlen, and it went superbly well.
recorded in recital in the Église Saint-Pierre in Prade, France, on July 10, 1958. Pablo Casals' cello, Alfred Colto at the piano, Ludwig van Beethoven's Variations for Cello and Piano, seven of them, on the duet from The Marriage of Figaro by Menon Velje Liebefühlen. Now, this was a piece that Casals and Courteau both knew well. They had made a commercial recording of it some 30 years earlier. That notwithstanding, given how disastrous the rehearsals were, according to the individual whom I knew who told me the story and who was there, Casals was so shocked by how well the variations had gone that he got up, put down his cello, and went over and hugged Cotto. And as this friend of mine said, it got even better. They went on to play Ludwig van Beethoven's Sonata Number no. 3 in A major for cello and piano, opus 69. As I said earlier, Courteau was, for all practical purposes, blind. And he really couldn't see the keyboard. He was playing from memory and by touch. And you will hear one very poignant passage when he put his hands down and he was slightly off, but trooper that he was, he finished that phrase, quote-unquote, incorrectly, before he shifted his hands and went on correctly. This is a fabulous performance, flaws and all. I hope that you are as thrilled by it as I always have been ever since I first heard it.
Title in the Eglise Saint-Pierre in Prade, France, July 10th, 1958. The last time that Pablo Casals and Alfred Cotto played together. Ludwig van Beethoven, the Sonata Number no. 3 in A Major, Opus 69, for cello and piano. It's not perfect by any means, but it is such a marvelous and moving performance, flaws and all. As I said, it was the last time they played together. In fact, I think it also was the last time that Alfred Cortot played in public other than a master class. But the two old colleagues and friends had had their rapprochement and closure, and magnificently so. One is so grateful that those performances were recorded 
by Radio Diffusion Française, which broadcast those recitals and concerts from the Casals Festival in Prague.